Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are at proper 23 in year eight, and our series is called Tell Us a Story. Uh, you can read more about that on the foundation resources and get lots of excellent uh, things to accompany the series uh, for outreach and other purposes on wellscongregationalservices.net. But we are listening to Jesus as he tells several parables near the end of Matthew's gospel. And today we are talking about a story of insane rejection. Uh, with us for this series, uh, Pastor Jay Zahn from Trinity in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and Pastor John Quinn from Beautiful Savior in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So Jay and John, good to be with you again. Uh, John, let's start with you. Proper 23 in year A. Uh, could you say a few words about the theme of this week in our series? Sure. Um, there's there's some once-in-a-lifetime experiences or once-in-a-lifetime events that you would not want to miss for any reason. Um, there's some things that would happen in, in life that you'd have a chance to be a part of, a chance to go to, a chance to experience that if it came up, it would take precedence over anything and everything else. And some of those things might be specific to an individual, right? It might be something different for anyone, depending on your interests. So, you know, for someone, it might be seeing their alma mater play for a national championship. And for somebody else, it might be like attending some gala or some Hollywood A-list party. And one thing might move the meter for one person and the other person could kind of take it or leave it. And and one thing might move the meter for another person and, and somebody could say, well, that I don't really care about that. But this week we hear in God's word that there's something, there's an event, there's an ultimate experience, there's an invitation that takes precedence for everyone over everything else. At least it ought to. And, and that's when our holy God invites unworthy sinners to participate in his blessings. And he does that free for nothing. Um, someone would have to be a fool. Even more than that, as you mentioned, you'd have to be insane to refuse or to reject such an invitation. And so God's word for this particular Sunday teaches us really about the nature of God's invitation. It teaches us about the nature of the, the blessings that he's inviting us to, even the eternal life to which he invites all people. And, it, and God's word for this Sunday really also demonstrates how that invitation is received, the only way it's received. And what happens when that invitation is ultimately rejected? Right. Thanks for that that helpful summary. Uh, we'll see kind of both sides of that, right? The the positive uh, and sadly the negative too. Um, well, before we get into the gospel, as our text this morning uh, or or afternoon or whenever you're listening, I guess it's morning for us right now. Um, Jay, could you talk to us a little bit about? the first reading and the second reading and uh, how they play a part in this Sunday's theme. Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, first reading is Isaiah 25 and a description kind of wet the appetite, if you will, for the, the great banquet that God is preparing a, a visual feast or a visual um, depiction of the feast of heaven, um, rich food, banquet of aged wine, best of meats, finest of wines, the kinds of things that are meant to tantalize the taste buds and, and get you filled with anticipation of what awaits. Um, and it's not just, it's not just food. I think there's, there's some other imagery there that's exciting uh, to, to pull away the shroud, to have this 
face-to-face interaction with God where the, the problem of sin is removed and to have that uh, that kind of intimacy uh, at, at the, the banquet is exciting, the, the removal of tears. Uh, so all, all the negatives of life are gone. All of the positives of life with God are present. And the, um, the, the you'd mentioned the kind of the contrast between the positives and the negatives. The, the negative, of course, is, well, all are invited. Not, not everybody wants to show up. And, and so the, um, the words of Isaiah are being proclaimed to the remnant that, that remains faithful, uh, their faith will be vindicated, but they're under intense pressure. And, uh, uh, the the worldliness of, of those around them are, are trying to drag them away. So it's a it's a good reminder the world we live in isn't going to cooperate with us, um, isn't going to encourage us, uh, and yet what we are holding on to, waiting for, is is worth it. Uh, faithfulness is is worth it. The um, second lesson uh, from Romans, a reminder that that uh, an encouragement that that the way we get in is by the power of God. Um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, it's the it's the dynamite that that uh, blows up my unbelieving heart and replaces it with a heart of living faith. And and so the invitation, um, the uh, even our perseverance is really a a gift of God that that His gospel is working not only to overcome our unbelief initially, but also to keep it at bay, so that we remain um, faithful and faithful to the end, and and ultimately join in the banquet. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I suppose we'll probably get to this later in the parable too, but I wonder if um, the righteousness that is from God from first to last plays into the latter part of the parable. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in due time. Um, John, could we go back to you then to get us into our text discussion? So Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Um, I'll just kind of turn things over to you. Any things that you want to highlight that might be noteworthy for preachers. We're assuming guys have done a tech study at this point, but things that sure. jump out to you that might guide them as they take it from here. Just to build off what you said, I think in the way that Jay summarized those lessons, definite tie-ins to the parable that can certainly be connected in the sermon from those other two lessons. Um, another, just another Sunday where everything is really tightly knit together. But the parable we have before us, um, is we got to remember the third in a set of parables that we've been looking at. So for three consecutive weeks, we've been looking at these parables that all have the same context. It's Holy Week, and Jesus has told two parables to the, the spiritual leaders of the people, um, really reaching out to them in his last week on earth to, to lead them to repentance, to see the light, to see who he is and what it means to have the kingdom. So he's already told parable about the two sons he's already told the parable of the tenants and and just like there was this sort of increase in intensity and application of the parable from the parable of the two sons to the tenants i think in a way there's an increase in intensity and urgency from the parable of tenants to the parable of the wedding banquet Um, it's a parable that's filled with these really intense reactions and responses that really draw our attention to certain truths that Jesus desperately wants to impress upon his hearers during that first Holy Week and really on anybody who still listens to these parables today. And so just like last week, when you have some things that seem out of the ordinary in the story, it kind of draws our attention to it. And so some of these improbable details that maybe you want to touch on in a sermon as you look at this lesson is 
the improbability of people rejecting the invitation of the king and what he's inviting them to. And, you know, we look at what he's inviting them to when you think about what what God says to the prophet Isaiah. And that just the fact that in the, in the story that people would, would refuse an invitation of the, of the king. Um, and then it intensifies because when he sends again, um, they don't even just apathetically go away. Some of them actually kill the messenger. And you think, wow, that's kind of, that's kind of intense. So what's what's really going on there? And then the king reacts in a very intense fashion too, and sends an army. You know, while the apparently the the wedding feast is is getting cold, the timing doesn't always work out with this. But he sends a whole army to destroy those who rejected mm-hmm. uh, before he invites more. And then at the end, the other the other thing that that seems um, to be a just a intense detail is here's a guy who's there who's been in, invited, but he's not dressed correctly and and he gets tied up and thrown out too. And so I think when you look at all those different details, it really gives us some things to to dig into and explore and to to comment on. And what is God? What is God really saying to us? What What's the point that Jesus is making through this parable? And those things might highlight them. Yeah, glad you brought up the the context, reminding us of that. And I think that yeah, the the stark uh, character of the warning, you know, plays into that context. These final last ditch efforts Jesus is making as he reaches out. Uh, Jay, I'll, I'll turn things over to you at this point. Uh, other comments on particulars of the text or kind of the whole text, um, what would be helpful to preachers uh, maybe to think about as they work with this? A couple things uh, just to build off of what John had said. Uh, one, I think, is as Americans, um, we hear situations where people refuse the invitation of the president. Uh, they disagree with his policies, and and so it's their way of standing standing firm on what they believe. And in America, we're blessed. We're allowed that uh, opportunity or afforded that opportunity. In a kingdom, it doesn't usually work quite that way. Uh, to refuse a king is really taking your life into your own hands. And and so you see a boldness here that is that is um, worthy of of calling attention to the the, the stubbornness. Um, it's not just getting distracted by life, but there's a there's a definite oppositional piece to their uh, to, to their attitude that I think needs to be brought out. I guess the other that, that struck me too is is um, as a preacher, I think there's something that that uh, from speaking from behind the pulpit as as uh, or as one who's reaching out to the community, uh, that this isn't always easy work and we shouldn't be surprised when uh, um, the greatest invitation is extended, but it's not always uh, responded to in ways that we would expect. And, and there is um, comfort might be the right word for that, not because it's comforting to know that people aren't coming, but comforting to know that that even when we are faithful, um, we don't always get the response that that we would desire. It's not the response God desires, but people can assert their own will and it uh, and it will come to fruition. Um, one of the thoughts that that and we can talk about this more as we get into it, but uh, the difference between those who say to God, thy will be done, and God who says to those uh, individuals who who want it their way, okay, we'll let your will be done. Um, that, that contrast is pretty strong in this text as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about kind of the, I mean, I was going to say, you know, the malady of the text uh, in a way that's kind of mostly what it is, right? I mean, this uh, one after the other, but... Um, 
How would you, uh, as a preacher, go about addressing, applying some of these different forms of rejection? Uh, do you kind of walk through each one and maybe help your listeners see a parallel um, or do something a little more all-encompassing? Uh, what do you think? How do you go about that, uh, pointing out the warnings that are here, the these deeply rooted sin issues that are depicted in the parable? Uh, John, any ideas for preachers? I think in the, there's maybe, there's two maybe obvious things we can bring out in the rejection of the invitation is one is an apathy that this isn't important. There's other things that are more important because they just, they go do their own things instead of heeding the invitation, which is a tremendous invitation better than anything else they got going on. Um, And then there's, uh, and I think one thing to bring out in that section is that um, Jay kind of touched on it. It would be completely disrespectful to say no to the king. Um, and we get the idea from the parable, but that none of their excuses are valid, that they're pretty flimsy. Um, and so it's not that any of the people who were invited were not able to come. It's that they were not willing to come. Mm-hmm. And then you have the hostility too. Some were hostile. Um, they were opposed to the king. They didn't like things his way. They didn't want to. They didn't want to come and celebrate his son. Um, and so there's um, there's really kind of those two aspects of the what the law is uncovering there. And I think there are numerous ways that that can apply to us and our people. Um, sometimes we're. I mean, I think of knocking on doors and inviting people to church, and and I've had plenty of people um, say no. And some have not been nice, um, but nobody tried to kill me. Like nobody at the doorstep, you know, said, I even said, I hate you and I want you dead. Um, but maybe we can see how the apathy part applies to us a little more. Um, maybe even, you know, coming out of you know, the habits that anybody can get into and, and habits that a pandemic may be um, made bigger in our lives that we, we um, we've lost how important it is to be in God's house with God's people to hear about these blessings that he has for us. And, you know, it's not just that people wake up one day and decide I'm not going to be with the king anymore. It's a, it's a incremental thing. Little by little, they neglect that and then become apathetic to that. But then on the other side, I think that we can see the hostility too, because sometimes God says things in his word that we don't like, or we don't want to hear. And we do react in in anger. Maybe we're not killing anybody, but we don't like it. And we let it be known that we don't like it. And I refuse to listen to that. And I'm hostile to the way the king would have things done. And you certainly see that in the people that Jesus is talking to when he first told this. And you still see it in people today, even church people, right? People who think they're in the kingdom, who think that that they're they're, you know, they're presuming their place in the kingdom and that it's theirs. Um, but really, they're they're in danger because of uh, either apathy or hostility to the king's ways of doing things. Jay, uh, additional thoughts about preaching the law from this text? I think uh, uh, talking to people who are in the pews, in particular, um, ways in which that shows up, it's probably more subtle. I mean, they're they're there, right? So we're talking to them who are there, and you got to be careful. I think that we don't preach it in a way that mm-hmm. seems to speak only to the people who aren't there because right. <laughs> it, it it affirms 
or, or engenders a certain amount of self-righteousness. So we got to be careful about that. Um, one of the things that strikes me is the excuses um, are not overtly immoral. Uh, taking care of one's field and one's business are honorable things, except when they are done at the expense of something that's of infinite value, that, that you go after that of temporary worth when, when you have something of infinite worth set before you. It reminds me a bit of uh, folks that I've called upon who... Um, they got they got lots of stuff going on in their lives and and inviting them to be in worship um or to be in worship more often to be in the, the word of god in the house of god more often and and sometimes the excuses you hear sound a lot like this well uh, we've got sports contests going on and i think god would want us to have well-rounded kids and you're thinking well sure <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> except that uh, when you're using the one to preempt the, the one of limited value to preempt the one of, of greatest value one wonders if you're getting that right. Um, the other that I think is is interesting too is is um, once you scratch beneath the surface in the heart, uh, there's a there's an um, an initial willingness or an apparent willingness, but when you scratch deeper, how much hostility is still lurking there? Um, the, the sociologically talk about the pandemic. Um, one of the things that that I've heard often is the pandemic hasn't caused a lot of things, but it's accelerated a lot of things. One of those being the um, drop in church attendance or church regularity. It's not that people have gone away entirely, but those who used to come every week come now every other week, or those that came every other week now come once a month. And yeah. and so they're not they're not completely um, antithetical to to Christ and His kingdom, just just not as important or as diligent in the pursuit of it as they once were. And I think there's something in here that speaks to that as well. Right. Yeah. Having a field, having a business, uh, these are gifts of God. Uh, They're good things, but yeah, it's the ordering of priorities, the, uh, the neglect of one thing in favor of another thing. Yeah. That's where it comes in. And, and we, the apathy and hostility we've mentioned, uh, you both have mentioned, I think, comes into play there as sort of the 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 attitude lurking underneath these these excuses right and they come out in different forms um uh other uh points of uh preaching the law are law applications john well, i think then we have at the end of it um we've got after everyone's invited we've got the man who comes mm-hmm. um but he's not he's improperly dressed and so I think that speaks to, you know, it's something that's going to take some discussion as to exactly what all that is. But it, when you, you boil it down, it's, it's kind of somebody who wants to be there um, improperly dressed. So they're kind of on their own own terms and not the, on the terms of the one um, who invited them. Um, and I suppose we can get into the details of what all of that might mean, whether, you know, different commentators say, well, sometimes kings would give clothes to those who would attend and so they should know it and have it. And some say, well, that really wasn't a practice. Um, if somebody's coming straight from the highways and byways, they don't have time to go home. You might assume that, but it, 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 in some way it's, it's somebody who's wants to come on their own terms, whether that's not leaving something behind that, that God wants them to leave behind or, or whatever it might be. There's, there's something to uncover there in the, the law too. Something's wrong with that situation, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will come, but my uh, in my way, Jay. Okay. Uh, I, I wonder to what degree um, for us as American Christians that is maybe especially powerful. Um, the autonomous self is, is such a strong theme in American culture, and um, that I've got the right to choose, uh, and that manifests itself in so many different ways. And and so then why wouldn't the relationship with God also um, be amongst those menu of choices where it, uh, glad that God's interested, um, and, and I am too, so long as uh, he is, uh, he allows me to come in this way. If not, then then the deal's off, the deal's done. Um, or as, as I've heard many a person say, that they feel a little bit of guilt about not being more open or more uh, active or more involved but then they assuage their guilt by saying, but I'm sure God understands. <laughs> and it just kind of, kind of sweeps under the rug what they, their conscience is trying to tell them, but they, they, they uh, politely ignore it by, by saying, well, God, God must get it because he knows how busy I am, or he knows all the commitments that I have, or he knows that I'm sincere, just not wanting to make any change. Yeah. And you, you almost wonder is underneath that, uh, I'm sure God understands actually means I'm sure God will just agree to do it my way instead of his. Yeah. John? And I think really practically you could see that in somebody who says, you know, I'm going to get to heaven, but I'm going to have my own theology that doesn't really line up with what God's word says. Or um, if that theology allows me to live a particular lifestyle, I've got to, I want to live in this particular sin. I won't cede that part to God and I'll that part of my life, but um, but I'll, I'll, I'll still get in. Um, and so there's any number of things there we could point to as people wanting to cling to or do it their, do it their own way and still have what the King offers, even though he only offers it in one way. Right. Right. Uh, how about, uh, the gospel in this text, this text that is so filled with warnings, um, uh, in what ways do you bring out, uh, the gospel, uh, emphases or the way the gospel is pictured in unique ways in this text. Uh, so thoughts about that. And um, I've got some ideas, but I'll, I'll let you guys go first. Jake. The first that, that the King would invite. Um, we've talked about the warnings and I think it's interesting. You, you, uh, the, the, the people he's inviting, um, you're not catching the, the the warm fuzzies from them. Like they've got this close personal, uh, real touching relationship. And yet he invited them anyway. And and I think there's a, there's a gospel thought in that. Um, there's a gospel thought, uh, I, I think as well in the fact that he allows himself to be rejected. Uh, a king, a king can do what a king wants to do. And, and, uh, the king does have a limit to his patience uh, a little bit later on in the parable, but but some of the first ones, um, he he allows that kind of dishonor to be that kind of shade to be thrown his way, and and he doesn't he doesn't take it out on them. Uh, they're not they're not permitted in, but he doesn't take it out on them. Um, but the other I think is 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 the rich one would be pulling in the uh, the picture from Isaiah about the kind of you know the quality of the banquet the the um, extravagance of the banquet, the, the sumptuousness of what's being served. Uh, those are all gospel thoughts about the, the richness, lavishness, uh, value, quality uh, that God serves up to us uh, through what, what his son Jesus has done for us. Yeah. Yeah. John, adding to that? Yeah, just I think that's a beautiful point is to bring that 
that Old Testament lesson in that first reading because it just, you can bring it to life. Like this is a party you want to be at. You wouldn't miss it. And then you see what it really is as he's taking away sin and death and everything. And you'll enjoy a feast like you've never enjoyed before. Because even if you loved every Thanksgiving you had or every Christmas dinner or whatever it was, there was always something because you're still in this world that you could not fully, fully, truly enjoy it because eventually you'd have to go back to real life, right? And this is a banquet that goes on forever and ever and ever. And you can finally, truly, for once, enjoy it. And, and the Isaiah passage even brings out the fact that Jay pointed out too in the parable that God does it all, right? God has done, he's prepared the feast. He's done everything that needs to be done to make the feast happen. It's all done by him. He's the one who swallowed up sin and death and all those things. I mean, then in the parable, he's the one inviting, like Jay said, even people who don't deserve it. And then you think about the invitation at the end brings it out even more clearly. Go out and get the people. I don't care whether they're bad or good, which tells you it has nothing to do with the performance, what somebody's done. The invitation is a complete call of God in grace to people who don't deserve it. Um, and he, he sends that out to everybody. Just just beautiful, beautiful gospel there. How the invitation is given and then to what you're being invited, what God is inviting everybody to. Just Great. amazing. Jake? And then tied into the second lesson too, uh, and you had alluded to it early on, John, with the righteousness of God. Uh, you know, when Luther saw that phrase in the theology he was raised in, it was something he was constantly striving to attain when he discovered the gospel that it was something given, it changed his his attitude and and well, and in a sense sparked the Reformation uh, when he understood what God what God had done for him, not what God was demanding of him. And and that really shines brightly when you think about the the elements of this parable too. That think about what God is doing and what's what God is serving up and and. Um, maybe in some way connects with the clothes uh, that the that the um the last character is is described in um it, it, there's a lot of debate there but the imagery kind of connects so mm -hmm. john yeah and i think to that point you know whether that's jesus specific point here that this is the the robe of righteousness if if you've read scripture and christians know their bibles they're going to they're going to think of that regardless right that in baptism, we've been clothed with Christ, right? Even Isaiah said, you know, um, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. In Revelation, we hear about all these in white robes who have come through the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made a white, they're dressed, they're at the party, and they're there. Um, and so just the connection to the, the banquet that we're invited to and the connection to the last day. I mean, the hymn of the day, is Jesus your blood and righteousness, right? Which is here's what you're clothed in mm -hmm. to get into the party at the to the eternal feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb at the end after Judgment Day. Right, right. Uh, and and this is a uh, a gospel thought too. I think you you both mentioned it already, uh, but it just occurred to me because this has come up in previous parables in the series. Yeah, the persistence of the king inviting, 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 in spite of all this rejection, it's just, uh, he is so driven uh, 
by his generosity to to give and to serve. Um, it, there is justice and judgment there too, of course, uh, and that's the warning aspect of it. But yeah, that he would just keep inviting to this uh, all expenses paid uh, banquet, just come and enjoy it, um, and the persistence in that invitation. Uh, great gospel in there too. Um, so thoughts for uh, other thoughts for kind of application or um, things that you're thinking about uh, connecting with in your sermon to bring this home to your listeners. Uh, or I was going to ask for other illustrations, but it's with with parable here. Here it is. Right. And in, in many different ways. But there might be other illustrations you can think of. So um, any illustration application ideas to share with preachers? Jake? Oh, yeah, I would, I would, I, I, the, the idea of, of um, uh, understanding and, and you know, what do we value? How, how do we, and then ranking those things in priority. I think there's, yeah. there's such applicational value for God's people in this because a lot of life is not so much choosing between that, which is evil and that, which is good, but between that, which is good and that, which is better. And, and, um, in a busy life, in a busy world, sometimes we kind of get the a bit of attention deficit disorder. We we go after that which is right in front of us or is flashiest in the moment, but it's not necessarily a well considered um, understanding of of the depth of importance. We just get we just get busy on the the hamster wheel of life, and we just chase what's right in front of us. And Satan can take advantage of us that way in in, in many ways. And 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 to what degree is he or has he? But the opportunity to slow down and, and really pay attention to that which is is truly valuable, um, and to prioritize or order our life in such a way that we don't miss out on that which is ultimately valuable, I think is a huge applicational point here. Great, great, John. And maybe with that, with the application or the and you know the what's valuable, and you talk about the I mean the parables, the illustration. How do we get? people today, modern people, to inhabit this parable, to put themselves in it. I think one way you can do it, an illustration that can tie it all together, um, is everybody's invited to something at some point, right? You're invited, whether it's to somebody's house for a party or to go out with this group of friends, and you have your reasons why you'd say yes or why you'd say no. Um, and and so to have something, like we mentioned in the beginning, I think it's mentioned in the in the foundation materials, about like the Super Bowl or some event that you would really want to go to, whoever, whoever it might be. I might use the example of um, I vicared in Southern California, so like getting invited to a Hollywood party or like the Oscars. Um, and, and so there's a because of the nature of the event that it takes place at a certain time, um, like the like the king says in the parable, I've killed the fattened the oxen and the fattened cattle. Now is the time you got to come. One of the applications is that you'd have this urgency to respond to the invitation that you'd, you, you'd, you'd value what the King is doing so much that you'd, that you'd come. Um, there's nothing that would keep you from coming. Um, you'd humbly come in the way you were supposed to come, accepting whatever he offers. And so, you know, you think about the Academy Awards where Hollywood celebrates itself. We don't really have royalty in America. We don't have a, a Royal family or the King and Queen. Um, but, people hold up celebrities and athletes as basically American royalty. Right. And so if you would ever get invited to something like that, where you could hobnob rub elbows with these, these famous people, um, you have to think of what all invo was involved in that, you know, besides the, I think I read once the Academy Awards is like 
50 million dollars to put on and then the after parties are like a hundred thousand dollars a couple and if you're invited to some of these things um you actually are given a gift bag only it's not like what your kid gets a dollar store gift bag when they go to a, a kindergartner's birthday party it's like trips yacht trips around the world and all these things so it's it's a hundreds of millions of dollars these these parties are so you wouldn't want to miss it and you even i mean to tie other things in like what are the stars wearing um it's not even their own clothes right some designer wants to get their clothes on the runway so they they give you those clothes mm -hmm. um to wear and why, why would you not go um to a party like that and it only takes place once a year. So if you're nominated for an Oscar, you've got that kind of invitation. Are you going to say, you know, I think I'd rather watch it from the couch in my sweats this year. No guarantee you're going to get invited. You're, you're going to have another role of a lifetime that's going to get you nominated again, or your team's in the Super Bowl. You have no guarantee that they're going to make it back next year. It's a once in a lifetime thing. And so if we can make, make that a, a big illustration to make people think about those things and the urgency in, in, in responding and how it's, it's right now. And it's better than all of those things. Actually, it's better. Mm -hmm. um, and then to receive it in the way that, that God gives it. If you remember this ties into those other parables, um, the one thing Jesus said leading into this set of parables was as he accused those religious leaders of not responding properly, he said something that really hurt, right? He said, the prostitutes and sinners are entering before the kingdom you. before you right and what was the what's the point um you think about the guy who's not wearing his clothes who's coming in on his own terms the prostitutes tax collectors those sinful people recognized they needed repentance they needed god's grace and they were coming in repentance true sorrow over their sins true trust in their savior and they have this desire to leave their sins behind the pharisees the leader teachers of the law they presumed that the kingdom was already theirs without repentance and really the only thing that keeps you out the only thing that can can keep you from receiving god's invitation which we said is received completely in faith which is god's work too is that is that impenitence is saying i don't want to i don't want it on god's terms i only would have it on on my terms and and there's that that warning aspect too at the end right i i will come in but only in the clothes that i choose um exactly uh Great. Uh, theme ideas um, that you might suggest to kind of uh, bring everything together in a central thought or ideas you're working with at this point uh, that you can share with preachers. Jay, get any ideas? Something around invitation and and uh, so you're invited uh, is is just a thought that that struck me, and then the the parts uh, focusing on caution against distraction and um the the importance of uh, or the um not importance but the um the, the reality that it's that it's received through faith alone uh, and that's that's really rough thoughts at this point but uh mm -hmm. but pulling out the invitational nature of it and then uh, trying to highlight the um i love john's illustrations with the uh, Academy Awards and the Super Bowl. I mean, you're talking about the, the extraordinary nature of it, bring, bringing out the, the um, truly unique uh, aspects of that, but also then the, the really um, troubling pieces of life that, that cause us to lose sight of what, what has been laid before us, the, the incredible opportunity that's been laid before us. Hey, John? 
Yeah, I think I I like it. Like it's something about an invitation. Come to the come to the wedding banquet, and then be able to, like Jay said, describe what that is and what it's like, and why lay that all out there in the in the all its gospel beauty of what this is like, and then also say, you know, what what keeps you out, um, and those things that Jay highlighted too, the apathy or the hostility to what to what God says, um, and, and then then ultimately, you know, to to, it's really a parable that has a lot of warning, um, but it also has such beautiful gospel that all are invited. Um, and one of the hymns that that captures that is today or your mercy calls us. Mm-hmm. And you think of the last few verses of that hymn that can sort of tie that together. Today, your gate is open and all who enter in shall find a father's welcome and pardon for their sin. The past shall be forgotten, a present joy be given, a future grace be promised, a glorious crown in heaven. Today, our father calls us, his Holy Spirit waits. His blessed angels gather around the heavenly gates. No question will be asked us how often we have come. Although we oft have wandered, it is our Father's home. Oh, all-embracing mercy, oh, ever open door, which should we do without you when heart and eye run o'er, when all things seem against us to drive us to despair. We know one gate is open, one ear will hear our prayer. And so anybody who's listening to this message from God's word, it's not too late for you, right? And this is the beauty that God is inviting you to. And there's urgency to respond. And then would that beauty of God doing all the work, preparing it, everything that is, and even inviting us and coming again and again. And as you pointed out, John, of, of seeing Jesus longing for those who even are rejecting him and the, the people who are going to send him to the cross. He wants their salvation. That's the kind of savior God you have. That's the king who's inviting you. Just go, yeah. <laughs> just go, um, and that the Holy Spirit is the one who's who's using that message to to bring you there. Um, mm-hmm. That in the invitation is the power um, to make you the ones who are who are worthy in God's eyes, um, because He says so in His Son in Christ. That's who you are. It's a wonderful opportunity to we talk about not just preaching about the gospel, but preaching the gospel, uh, you know, real time. You get to look people in the eye and say, this invitation is for you uh, right now. Um, the the banquet is prepared and the king wants you there, uh, wants you to enjoy it. And he's inviting you right now. Great. Any, any final thoughts as uh, we conclude today? If not, I'll turn things over to preachers then uh, to work with this uh uh, another one of the gripping stories that Jesus tells um, and tells us so much through it here in Matthew's gospel. God bless you as you proclaim the warnings, but also the grace of the King who invites us all to his banquet.